0: flushcarecom slash weight loss.
1: Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I'm sitting here with Heidi Browning-Pearson, who is the CMO of the NHL, Woo. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you. I love a big (laughs) woohoo. I was going to do a really big woohoo, but then I thought, my, I might shock everybody. But but I am very excited to have you in the building with me today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's so much fun to always chat with you. And we have so much to cover today. Um, Gosh, everything from generational insights to innovation to fan engagement. But let's start with what inspired you to take on your role as CMO of the NHL? Well, it's such a, an amazing opportunity.
0: Uh, at the time when I was speaking with the commissioner, the NHL was having its 100th birthday. So to take a 100-year brand and bring it into the next 100 years with a specific initiative to grow the game among avids as well as casuals and really look to identifying how we can stay relevant and engage younger audiences, meaning what is the sports experience, the fan experience going to be like
1: for Gen Z and millennials? Wow, okay, so first of all, I, I need to pause for just a quick second before uh, I ask you more questions about that because I, I owe you a huge thank you. I remember chatting with you, gosh, it was like eight or eight months ago now, and we were talking about a very special Gen Zer that walked into your office at one point or sent you a letter. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm gonna let you tell that story, but you inspired me to launch the series Gen ZEO, And in fact, I stole that term from you. So I want everybody to know this was your term. You were telling me all about it. So why don't we just jump into it? Like tell me about this wonderful letter that you received.
0: So it was early on in uh, my uh, career at NHL. I had just joined and the Wall Street Journal did a lovely article about me and then a few months later, I received a letter in the mail, a physical letter in the mail, which I don't know when the last time you received a physical letter <laughs> from a human in the mail. And I opened it up and it was from Sabrina Solomon, who was this 11-year-old passionate hockey fan. She's such a passionate hockey fan. She knows every rule by the book by the number. Wow. Like this is intense, avid hockey fan. And she said she read the article in the Wall Street Journal and that she knew that I was trying to focus on the next generation. And she had a lot of really great ideas that she wanted to share with me and by the way she could work for free because during the summer she was off and she just lived down the street. And so it was really (laughs) cute. Obviously, you know, the legal team said, no, you can't hire an 11-year-old, which we wouldn't do anyway. But we brought her into the office just to meet people and, you know, kind of get inspired by the different careers, opportunities, and paths uh, that she could possibly have. So we arranged a meeting with people from our merchandising, from our sponsorship, from our social impact team, from marketing, from every uh, pocket of the organization organization. And she comes in and she presents us a full-on PowerPoint presentation wow. of ideas. And these ideas were great ideas. And she had such poise and confidence. And, and it was a real aha moment for us because a lot of the ideas we're already doing, but she doesn't know about them. And here we are, this avid hockey fan who knows the, num- you know, the rules by the numbers, who isn't aware of some of the amazing marketing and uh, player initiatives that we're doing. So it means that our marketing isn't reaching that future generation so she became an inspiration to us And we are launching in the next uh, couple weeks, by the time this comes out, hopefully it'll be out there, a young fan advisory board called Power Players. And she, inspired by her, so that we can get continual insights and feedback and ideas that can help us shape our marketing, our communications, our fan experience at the games to be relevant to that younger generation.
1: Okay, I so love that idea. So tell tell me more about, like, how did you go about Picking the people for your panel, or was there a criteria that you were looking for other than age?
0: So they have to go through a submission process Mm -hmm. in which they talk about their relationship to hockey, what Mm -hmm. it means to them, provide some thought and context around what are some marketing ideas that would inspire you. And they're given that if they're selected to be a part of this advisory board, they're given the mission of, you know, we're going to do Google chat, Google Hangouts, and, you know, have regular meetings. They get to go to a hockey game with me, and I'll take their parents. <laughs> and we're picking young fans from every region in North America. So it should be really fun. And we'll make sure that they're connected to the clubs and so that our teams can benefit from you know hearing the insights directly from their fans. And knowing what I know with the Gen Z people that I've worked with in different aspects, we're in for a treat because they are such a generation of Doers. They're so inspired and empowered that I th- I'm really excited to see what we can do together as a collaboration.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see what you can do too. I have been equally inspired by chatting with some of the same people that you know. Again, you inspired me to even just think about doing this series. And on the Gen Z EO series that we launched, uh, we've covered you know, just probably a little bit older than some of the the, mm-hmm. the folks that are on your committee, but they're still, they're right under the 23 mark, mm-hmm. you know, but anywhere from 19 to 23 years old. And these young entrepreneurs, I mean, they're sometimes in their fifth or sixth business adventure already at that early age, and they're successful businesses. Yeah. It is legit amazing.
0: businesses, Legit,
1: right? totally legit. Yeah. yeah. So I've been, I've just been floored.
0: And I feel like it goes back to, how they grew up, right? They grew up with Google at their fingertips. They had, you know, digital always in the palms of their hands. Mm. They were swiping and pinching and, you know, searching for things their entire lives. Mm -hmm. So they've had virtually every answer to every question in the, you know, palm of their hand. And I feel like that's given them this sense of empowerment that they can do things. And then all of a sudden you start to put an idea with a Kickstarter and it doesn't matter if you're 13 or you're 35, you can still get an idea off to market. And that's what's so
1: great about this generation is like, they just do it. Yes, I love it. Just yeah. do it. That should be a tagline somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it it is interesting because when I think you've done quite a bit of generational research, but one of the themes that I saw coming out of the first six that I interviewed mm-hmm. was there's not only the sense of empowerment, but there's also a little bit of distrust, right? In, in that, you know, many of them went through a time where they saw the recession hit yeah. and their families or their neighborhood, uh, friends, their parents lose their jobs, the, you know, big businesses and uh, collapsing. And so they're they're wondering, like, how do I – where do I put my talent? And, and But I don't really want to go to work for a big brand. But I, I want to have influence and I want to create solutions. And so I love that you've developed a council. But any thoughts from you on enrolling the generation on your team one day? Like, what, what are you thinking?
0: Oh. Absolutely enrolling them on my team. Uh, I think it's really critical, especially as we continue to grow and evolve, that we're in touch with um, the generations that we want to have. So we've got the younger generation with our advisory board as they you know, grow old enough to join the workforce. I'm hoping that they will feed right in uh, yeah. <laughs> to join us. If it's the same people on the advisory committee, great. If it's not, if it's others, uh, that's fantastic, too. But I do think this generation is much more pragmatic yes. than, uh, than the millennial generation. Generation, and it does have to do with the political, social and economic influences that helped shape them mm-hmm. to where they are today. And, you know, we look at that as motivating uh, opportunity for us because they've got they're so in touch with their purpose in life, like they're really grounded in purpose. And as a sports league and one that's really committed to our vision and values, we feel that our commitment to to driving good values in humans through teaching hockey is one of those connective tissues, whether it's we're doing, you know, Hockey Fights Cancer or whether we're doing our environmental uh, NHL Green. We've got lots of ways to connect into this generation for Mm -hmm. the things that matter most to them. But the other side of it is tapping into this desire to be creators. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really exciting. And we know uh, also with the millennials, but especially with Gen Z, is that this is a generation that wants to help shape your brand. So first, you have to have the values that you share and that if you have shared values, uh, they'll spend their time with you because it's worth it. And then the second is give them the keys to the castle to create and shape their own. They like to remix uh, and put their own touch on it. And that's you know something that's uh, sometimes a little more challenging challenging for somebody like a league where we have all kinds of rights holders and and things like that, but we're trying to find opportunities to give them that freedom to create on behalf of our brand.
1: Wow. Okay. That is so spot on. I I mean, that's the play Mm -hmm. for everyone if they could figure out how to solve those two things. So I'm really glad you articulated that so well. Cool. All right. So we could talk about Gen Z all day long, but I want to also talk about some of the cool stuff that you're doing, like player puck tracking, sports betting, and data, and how that's going to drive that whole thing. So I'm going to tease that out for a second because I'm going to back up and say you joined the NHL, pivotal time, 100 years, going into the next 100 years, but you actually didn't come from a sports background, right? You came from Pandora Mm -hmm. and – Going back, MySpace, tell me a little bit about your background just so I can understand like how you got to where you are. Yeah, I'm like a digital, tech, social, mobile data nerd, (laughs) right?
0: Been doing this for a long time and always joining companies that were on the cutting edge. So joining MySpace at the time before Facebook was even uncloaked. Being on the cutting edge of Pandora, which was the pioneer in personalization, also one of the first apps to be on the iPhone and really driving data-driven marketing, So those have been such important experiences in my life that have helped shape me and prepare me for what I can bring to the league because we've got the advantage of, you know, being a sports league, having fans want to engage with you and tell you all about themselves. We've got this combination of digital and real world experiences from the games to how they're interacting with us on social and digital platforms. And we can bring this collective experience I have with marketing to younger generations through data-driven technologies and social media so that we can prepare our league for the future
1: of of communications. Wow. Okay. So that totally makes perfect sense. So let's talk about how you're actually doing that with this new innovation that you're driving. So we're doing a a number of different
0: things. So the first is really around how do we um, create a new voice for the NHL? When I first joined Mm -hmm. and doing the analysis of our social media channels, the tone, everything was very, we're polishing the shield, very formal, much like press release and just the facts and just the news, uh, didn't make fun of ourselves or, anything really. And so over time, we've tried to introduce and change the balance of content because we know that the way to connect with and engage with younger fans is really through humor, through what we call human moments. When we went through our analytics and looked at the highest engagement around different pieces of content and posts, we found that highlights are popular, but those human moments are what really resonate. And not only do they resonate with our avid fans, but they extend beyond that. So as we think about growing our game, those are the human moments that connect us to casual fans because everyone can relate to a human moment. So we've been working on changing our voice and on creating new forms of content that we distribute both on broadcast as well as across our social channels. So we went through a number of focus groups talking to young fans. Uh, We had Gen Z focus groups and millennial focus groups. And we wanted to understand what are their attitudes and perceptions and barriers about watching more more hockey. Now, these are casual fans, not avid fans. And what we learned from these fans are, number one, sports is equal to culture. So if you want to be culturally relevant and have social currency amongst your friends, you're going to have that inside scoop on sports, knowledge around the athletes, around the statistics, around the games, all of that. You'll have that passion point to share with your friends. The second thing we learned is that While they understand the power of the Stanley Cup and how athletic our players are. Like, to be extreme athletes and on little tiny blades on ice is an extraordinary athletic feat. Um, but they don't know who they are. They're tough on ice, but they're quiet off ice, which is true. It's part of sort of the hockey culture is you're very humble when you're off the ice. You're playing for the name on the front of your sweater, not the name on the back of the sweater. And one of the challenges that we have as a league is that you know they wear a lot of equipment on their bodies. They have visors on. And then the lines change so fast, you're on and off the ice so fast, it's hard to know who the players are to recognize them on the street. And so what the young fans want is that personal connection with the players. They want to know more about their personal lives. They want to know more about their wives and their dogs and their yeah. like, their workouts and their <laughs> meals. And so this has been a huge initiative that we've been working at through all levels of our organization is how do you educate on the value of social media while striking that balance of where we're still a team sport, right? This is a, a sport in which nobody stands out as an individual because you can't get hockey done without a team. However, there's nothing wrong with giving your fans that glimpse into your life for what you want. So um, we've been working with our teams and with our players and they're generating a lot more content and it's, you know, it's slow, but it's evolving. <laughs> and so that's been really terrific. And so those are our really big achievements and accomplishments that we're continuing to drive forward. I think one of the things I'm really excited for is what the league in general is doing around player puck tracking, and this is something that's been in research and development for years. Wow! And I don't know if you remember back in the '90s, they had the the glowing puck that everybody <laughs> yeah. kind of made fun of back in the day. It was actually, if you think of it, innovation before its time, right? Right. There were a lot of problems with it that reality didn't meet up to the the vision uh, necessarily. But now, fast forward, we're in 2019. We've been in R&D. We've been working with all kinds of companies um, to create this opportunity to put a chip inside the puck and on a player and then be able to throw off real-time data and real-time analytics to improve our fan experience. So we tested it at CES and then again at All Star. It is not ready for prime time yet, but it's taken an incredible amount of work to get a puck that is resistant to cold yeah. you know what I mean when yeah. you think about all the factors we have to deal with yeah. we have cold we have speed we have pressure when you hit the puck yeah and so there's a lot of different factors that we had to get in to find the right technology that would accurately track the data so now that we feel like we have the right partners now the next step is how do we unleash this data and you know you think about these younger generations and that desire to be first to know and first yeah. to have stats and all that kind of stuff I'm really excited about that so there's the fan experience Through our broadcast television, these stats can help have both our avid fans understand like puck time, speed of puck, how hard was the shot, you know, how long have they been on the ice. There's also an application of taking the player puck tracking and fueling it into leaderboards for sports betting. And this is something that I we are so excited for because you think about every industry that we have faced, whether it's music or movies or transportation or, you know, you name it, food delivery, everything has been disrupted by some form of technology. Sports really hasn't had that yet until now. And this is sports betting. This ability to, on a state-by-state basis, for people to have sports betting within their arenas is a huge Advancement for us. So, the reason I'm bringing that up now is the data that we produce from our player puck tracking can fuel into these leaderboards so that people could do prop bets about Mm. anything that happens within our sport. And we think that that is another extension and expansion
1: of our fan experience. Okay, so there was so much in what you just said. I mean, gosh, I don't even know where to dig into, but. Let's let's start with where you just left off sports betting because there's new legislation that just went into place you were mentioning that breaks everything down uh, by state, so it's now all uh, managed at the state level. How do you how do you manage through that? I mean, that it's like cannabis or alcohol, it is, right? Exactly, so so it's a state
0: by state decision, and there are a number of states that have fully legalized it. For us, we've got two that we have teams in: so New Jersey Devils and the Vegas Golden Knights, and soon to be the Washington Capitals. And for us, this is a really amazing opportunity, not only to bring in new fans, Like people who might be sports betting fans, but now hockey is an option for them. But it's also a way to utilize our arena space even when games aren't happening. So New Jersey, for example, has built out a lounge area where people can go within the arena to place their sports bets. So you've got the leaderboards on, you can place your bets. And this is really exciting because it appeals to that generation that's so dedicated to experiences. Mm -hmm. You get the experience of the arena, but then you're in this like betting lounge launch. But you're betting on your mobile phones, so all of these sports books, like mobile, is the new window, right? Right. And so that has been, uh, we think, we're really excited about to see how each and every arena and team embrace sports betting and sort of personalize the experience for their arena. And th- there's an incredible number of partnerships that we um, can make, both at the league level as well as at the team level. Meaning, we've got partnerships with MGM and with William Hill and with Fand- And these are all important people within the ecosystem to enable sports betting. Oh, I love it. Okay. So talking about this ecosystem, tell me a little bit about how your team is structured. So first I should say my partner in crime is our chief brand officer, Brian Jennings, and he's been at the league for, I want to say, over 27 years. Wow. He is the heart and soul of the NHL brand, and he and I work incredibly well together. Mm-hmm. He is focused on all things brand. He works on all of our partnership programs. He works on all of our merchandising and all of our events, like basically everything that you know as a front-facing consumer about the NHL is really driven by Brian Jennings. Mm-hmm. I'm focused on the digital, social, data-driven fan engagement. Mm-hmm. So social would be the fan-facing Brian. content that our team creates in partnership with each other. And we've got a really interesting setup because marketing happens in lots of places now within every organization. So we've got, we call it the content council <laughs> that is consists of Brian as chief brand officer and myself. We've got our chief content officer, Steve Mayer, who he leads all of our events. He leads all of our content. And he does all of our custom original content productions. And he's a, an incredible resource and partner as well. And then Kim Davis, who leads our social growth and legislative team. So that's the thing about our social impact, our mm-hmm. foundation, all the work that we're doing to grow the game from youth hockey on up. And then our strategy and, and comms. So strategy, Steve McArdle and Gary Mahar is our chief of communications. So all of these people come together and we all collaborate and align around our objectives and our content that we create and how we measure and how we move forward. And that's been we've been able to tie so many different parts of the organization together or unite them into a single mission, which is helping us grow our game and grow our marketing out there.
1: Wow, that was super helpful to explain that to so I me. Mean, that's quite intricate, and in how all five of you work together. So that's a very interesting structure. It's a
0: little different than what a lot of people are used to. And it only works because we're good at collaborating with each other, right? Right. You know, and that's like the trust in team and, and teamwork. And you know, I, I think that's back to hockey, right? You, right. Like you don't get anything done. <laughs> marketing is a team sport. And that's what we uh, focus on and how we approach
1: it. Oh, gosh. OK. So now, again, competing headlines. This always happens to me. Um, you had me at human moments earlier, but I do like marketing as a team sport. <laughs> (laughs) That might be your 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 headline. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, (laughs) But let's let's talk about some of the lessons you've learned along the way, then, because as you said, you know, collaboration is key for anything to be successful. But as you grew further and further in your career, what are some of the tips that you learned along the way? So you always have to have a sense of humor
0: about everything. You can't take yourself too seriously. And that passion and the positivity and humor are the things that drive me every day and keep me going. I, th- I think the best piece of advice that I ever received was from a friend before I took my first big like executive job uh, many years ago. And he said, don't let them change you. You are where you are because of who you are. Just don't let them change you. And that's really about being yourself. And sometimes it's intimidating coming. Into new environments, into largely male-dominated corporate structures, and uh, being the only woman at the table or the only digital person at the table, and so I've learned to to make sure that I maintain what's true to me. And I am completely and truly passionate about all things digital. And I'm a little quirky, and I like to have fun. And I expect like this is work. This is a lifestyle, right? It's not a job. It's a
1: lifestyle, and that's how I treat. Everyone and everything. Yeah, well, uh, that's great advice. And speaking of lifestyle, I mean, like for this quote job, that's a lifestyle. You're you're living half and half on two ends of the of the United States, uh, New York and San Francisco, so. How do you manage your time? It's crazy. <laughs> I wish I could add more time into a day.
0: Uh, yeah, I you know, it varies really from week to week because not only do I commute back and forth, it, but I also go to visit the different teams right. and, uh, or clubs and experience the games in their arenas. And that's like one of my favorite things to do. I love to you know, obviously meet the teams. Every team has a team president and a GM. They have a CMO. They've got a CRO or head of sponsorship. So you get to meet all the different teams and 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 everyone from the front of the office to the people who run the arenas. Like I just love to like go meet the person who's pushing the elevator, you know, buttons for <laughs> the suites, right? And sometimes those people have been working there for thirty years, and right. they have such pride in their job and in being there. And it's like you remember, and that's the kind of stuff that's infectious. Like mm-hmm. their pride in the building and their roles and their teams really. Um, you know rubs off or has a halo effect on the fans experience so it's so so important the other thing i love to do when i go is to just sit in the seats with the fans so uh, you know you could we could get tickets anywhere right right owner suite blah blah blah. but i like to sit with the fans and sometimes i tell them i'm with the nhl and sometimes i don't but uh it's really it's really fun like my first uh game i went to when i joined the league was here at msg and it was a rangers game and uh, a friend of was going to go with me and at the last minute his daughter got sick and he couldn't come so I, went, I was like I'm just going to do this I'm going to go by myself so I sat in my seat and was enjoying the game and there were good seats I was down low and there were like four people gentlemen in front of me and I noticed they kept looking over their shoulder and like, I later learned that they all know each other because they've been season ticket holders for ah. years they're looking over their shoulder and like trying to figure out who I am and they finally say why are you here by yourself? Who goes to a hockey game by themselves? And, I, and so I explained it was my first day of school at the league and my friend couldn't come. And so we struck up this wonderful conversation. They eventually invited me over to Thanksgiving dinner. We had this whole <gasps> relationship. No. I didn't go to dinner, but they invited so me and I sent them a lot, much of swag and we connected the beginning and end of every season. But that is hockey. And those are our hockey fans. And so to be able to take that experience and share it, those are the human moments I'm talking about. Yeah. Take that and the values that hockey is all about—to take that and share it with casual fans and get everybody as excited as
1: I am—that's I, that's the mission here. Wow. Okay. So cool. You know, and I absolutely unequivocally am going to introduce you to Seth Freeman after this podcast is over. Seth Excellent. is the CMO of Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh yeah. And um, I just had him on the show—not uh, last episode, the episode before. And uh, God, he shares your enthusiasm for camaraderie oh, and good. just really getting together and enjoying the game. And so if they can't be in the stadium with you, he's got a seat for them. He does. Ready. Yeah, he, they do
0: really brilliant marketing with all the te- TVs and the yes. screens, really making it an
1: experience. I think that's genius. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We called his podcast Death to Domestication. <laughs> I love that. So you two will be two mm. peas in a pod. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Anyways, so cool. Well, oh. I could talk to you forever, but we are coming up almost at the end of this. Before I ask you my last question, is there anything you want to just share, um, something that's really top of mind, something that someone listening could really benefit from hearing your perspective on?
0: I just think we have to continue to listen. I know we've been talking about listening to our fans Mm -hmm. really since like the early days of MySpace when it was first, when, you know, people all of a sudden had technology in their hand. They had a platform on which they could distribute so they could create content, distribute, and they finally had a voice. And they rewrote the contract, the social contract that brands have Mm -hmm. with consumers. And we started listening then. Just never stop, right? Continue to listen. Listen to your avid fans. Listen to your casual fans listen to non-fans, listen to young fans. Just make sure you keep your ears and your eyes open. And obviously, you can't take one person's voice to change your whole mission plan strategy. But if you listen enough, you have pattern recognition. And when you have pattern recognition, that's your
1: opportunity. Wow, Okay, that's a whole nother podcast right there. <laughs> Pattern recognition. Okay. Uh, well, my last question for you is, if you could be doing anything in the world other than obviously loving what you're doing now, money or no object, talent or no object, what would you be doing? Oh gosh.
0: This one is like is a tough one. Like I always, when I watch the Olympics, I have a secret desire to be an Olympic athlete, and I think I would be a biathlete, where you're cross country skiing and then target. Like I, they are amazing athletes, and so if I could do anything, like money were no object, and also physical, <laughs> current physical fitness were no object, that would be my uh, my you know. Then I translate that into something fun, like being an international spy or something.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. An international. Uh, Spy who's oh. talented at going cross country yeah. and who boxes. Wait, I can't let you go, Miss yeah. Buff over here. Yeah. What have you <laughs> been doing, Colorado Buff? Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about these guns that you're sporting. What are you doing? Uh, I'm
0: doing rumble boxing and hot hip hop yoga, but both are fantastic. But rumble boxing is is my favorite. Fun. It's like. If you took Soul Cycle mm-hmm. and made it into boxing, where it's like great music, great instructors, dark room, and you just you know learn how to box again uh, with a bag. Half the classes on a bag, half the classes on the floor doing burpees and push-ups. Burpees are my favorite, by the way. Oh my god! And you and that's your that's
1: your day. Forty-five minutes, you're in, you're out. It's perfect. Wow. Okay. Burpees are like the bane of my existence. <laughs> so we're the, I give you all the kudos in the world, my friend. <laughs> uh, keep on boxing your way, and uh, thank you so much for coming. In today. Thank you, Nadine. Take care. You too. Thanks. Bye -bye. Bye bye. Hey there. Are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.